0: It's across by and a dunk ball inside, it's in, the D, and scored, an amazing winner that will be! M'Zathi, sprinting from the midfield, Georgian M'Zathi, absolutely brilliant! Hello and welcome to the special episode of the Up With The Bonnets podcast. For some long-time listeners from the old walking down the Provery Road days, you'll remember that we've done a few player interviews over the years. I'm glad to say that we have managed to keep a hold of these and will now be re-releasing them over the coming weeks. First up is the one where Gary Cocker and Alan Patillo spoke to ex-captain Gavin Ray. Enjoy. Uh, he is a Dundee Hall of Famer. Uh, at his time at Dens, he won the first division with us in 1997-98, uh, played in the Scottish Cup final. Did score in Europe as well and became Dundee's first Scottish internationalist in 15 years. Uh, another few clues if you've not quite got it yet. Uh, he has won the current Cup, which not a lot of players can say. Uh, played in the FA Cup final and he's played against the likes of Michael Ballack and Rudfan Nistelroi. And now he's in Australia. And if you don't have it by now, I don't know what you're doing listening to this podcast. It's Gavin Ray. Hi, Gavin.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Not bad. Thanks a lot for doing this, uh, especially coming all the way from uh, Australia. Uh, thankfully, we're now quite used to having to do this remotely, um, but it's uh, we're really lucky to have you. And uh, can't thank you enough for coming on. No
1: nah, pleasure, pleasure. Any chance, any chance to get to speak about football and um, obviously had some great times at Dundee. So yeah, no, nah, no problem at all. But
0: before we get to Dundee, just out of interest, I know that you're currently the head coach at Hakoa Sydney City East. Um, how has uh, all of the coronavirus stuff affected uh, what the club's been up to lately?
1: Yeah, I mean all all football here's just total came to a standstill, to be honest. Um, you know, I think we've been we've been quite lucky in Australia in terms of we acted well, the, the government acted quite quickly and shut everything down quite quickly, uh, including the borders. Um so we've I think, you know, when I'm obviously calling home and, and seeing all the news from home that it's it's quite scary. Uh, the difference in the in the two countries. Um I know UK is a lot more populated, but um, you know, it's, it's still scary to see the numbers that's going on back home, and um, you know, I, we feel very lucky. But we, yeah, we've been in total shutdown with the football, um, so we're missing that, of course. But obviously, understand
2: the situation as well. Yeah, and sorry, Alan, on you go. Yeah, I was wondering how how are you keeping fit, Gavin? Are you you know do you, do you, do you sort of send out um, training schedules to your players, etc. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so we've got um, we've got a strength and conditioning coach that's um, like works with the team, and we try and keep it as professional as possible, even though we're semi-pro. But the problem we've got at the moment is our seasons run differently to the UK, so we run from March to like September, August, and it's only like twenty-two games in terms of the, the, the league. Right. You got cup games as well. So at the moment, um, within the state, I'm not sure if it's actually. Going to actually restart and go ahead because they're not going to be able to fulfil the fixtures with the time limit they've got. So unless they can extend it, um, which hopefully we can, because we've normally got like a five-six months gap between seasons, which is really frustrating. Um, but it's just because of all the other sports, so it's trying to fit it all in. So hopefully we can get back to it, but until that time comes, you know, it's, it's kind of hard because we don't want to give the the players too much false hope and keep them really fit and ready to go and. We don't know what's going to happen yet. So, you know, we're hopeful and we'll be ready. The boys are uh, keeping on top of their own fitness. They're quite a young group. So, you know, hopefully we get the green light, we can get back to it soon, but it's, it's still to be
0: decided. It's, uh, I mean, it's something that I was thinking about lately is that although it's been really unfortunate for us uh, because obviously it's, it stopped our playoff run, obviously, uh, well, I was going to call it summer football. I suppose it's technically not summer football in Australia, but uh, obviously this hit right at the, uh, the start of the season for you as well. Sure. So has, did that affect uh, any recruitment that you were doing as well, or uh, did you have a pretty settled squad before everything just came to a stand? So?
1: Yeah, so we'd only, we'd, we'd play over the winter, you're right, and it's it was like two games into the season. So we played one game at the start of the season, the next week we had the second game, and then it was pretty much shut down after that. So as I said, sort of said that we start training in like November, so you train in November, December. You have a little break for Christmas, and New Year. You come back in January, and then you start playing pre-season friendlies until March, basically. So you've got a long time to go, 12 weeks before you start actually playing games. We got to two games, and then and then it was shut down. It was like so. It's like five months pre-season, basically, and then you play two games, and then it was shut down. So we were just getting into it really, and it's that's the frustrating part. But you know, it's obviously it's it's minor compared to what's going on in the world. Absolutely, but
0: uh, but we like our distractions, so uh, so what we'll do is we'll just uh, crack on with chatting a wee bit about Dundee. Um, so, obviously, you, uh, you're you not a, a native of Dundee, despite your, your long-standing ties to the city, uh, and you actually grew up in Aberdeen uh, about the time that uh, that famous Aberdeen team was trampling all, all over Europe. Uh, I think I read somewhere, though, that you didn't actually... You weren't initially a midfielder, is that right? You were... Uh, Sort of split your time between there and playing in defence?
1: That's right, yeah. I started started when I was younger playing like left back and like centre half sometimes, but mostly like full back and for some reason left back, even though I'm not left footed predominantly. Um, I think it was just the fact I could get up and down the pitch and then cut into my right. and there was probably better players playing in the middle of the park, to be honest, at that point. So that's uh, probably another one of the reasons. But yeah, no, I started started in fullback and in, in centre half more than more than midfield,
0: um, which obviously I ended up playing for most of my career. And uh, I think I also read that you were one of the few in uh, in I suppose your cohort that wasn't initially picked up on S forums I think a lot of your uh, a lot of your peers were picked up by the likes of Chelsea and Man U and whatnot, and it was only. Once Jim Duffy came to see you play, um, that you were uh, that you got the offer from Dundee, and before that it was going to be Brecon City. Is that right?
1: That's correct. So yeah, I had um, like when I grew up with my sort of friends and in, um, in the area where we played, a lot of the players were getting picked up from, like you say, like Chelsea, Man United. There was loads at Celtic. There was loads at Aberdeen. A couple at Rangers. I never signed S Form with anyone. Um, I was, a, and I'll be honest, you know, I was a late developer for sure. Um, and I ended up playing for Brecon City in the in the Youth Cup um, and we had a couple of good results. We got a good run, got to the quarterfinals. And then I was playing juvenile, like junior football in, in Aberdeen. And, you know, it's quite strange how it happened that you never got picked up in S Forms and then. You've got the actual manager from the first team coming to watch you. So it was a very strange sort of route towards Dundee, but there was a Dundee scout in Aberdeen. Um, his name was Mike Will, and he set up, um, he said, he told Jim Duffy there was a couple of players up in Aberdeen, and we were playing in a cup final against each other. And that was myself and Jerry Driscoll. Um So we played against each other in this cup final. Jim Duffy's watching. We both played well. He basically signed us, asked us to sign, you know. Pretty much after that, you know, got invited down to Den's and got an, into the boardroom, into the manager's room with my with my family. And uh, Ian Redford was the manager at Brecon, and he was devastated because they would offered me S- well, to sign with them, but obviously that was part time, and I was coming to leaving school. So, I mean, there was no there was no obviously choice there to to go full time and football was was of course an easy decision, um, and obviously I look back now and it turned out a, a great decision at the time, but. Yeah, no, it was a strange sort of route towards becoming, um, you know, part of the YTS and part of Dundee because I was certainly a late developer, and um, it took uh, Duff to come up to that game to to sort of force it over the line, you know.
2: You describe what what you found at Dundee at the time, Gavin. It was a kind of it was a kind of difficult era, I think, for Dundee mid mid nineties. Um, mm. post, uh, post the League Cup final appearance against Aberdeen, um, the Ron Dixon era was coming to an end, and. I think there was quite a lot of financial insecurity at the time. Can you sort of paint a picture of the club you found then?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously coming into YTS, I mean I had no idea what to expect. Um I think the club had just been just relegated possibly or the year before I arrived had been relegated in the Stainrod era, possibly. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure, but you know there was definitely a, a push to get back up obviously to the top division. Um and just, you know, myself adapting to, to YTS and, and being part of full-time football was really, really difficult. There, I can remember, obviously, there were some big characters in our, in our first team squad and I enjoyed being around that. But it was, it was a difficult time personally to, to get used to playing full-time football. And to be honest, I was miles off it compared to some of my peers in the team. And, you know, very lucky to get kept on for that second year, which gave me the confidence to really push on. But, yeah... You know, end of YTS, you come to the end of the season and then you all basically line up outside the dressing room and outside the manager's office and he pulls everyone in one by one and players are coming out saying, oh, I'm gone. Somebody else is saying, oh, I'm staying. I'm like, oh my goodness, it was it was nerve-wracking. But the club was, um, I don't know, it was, it was a difficult sort of feeling coming into the club because I think there was... Definitely aspirations of being a lot higher um, and trying to get there, but really finding it difficult at that point.
2: Yeah. Who were who some of your peers at that time?
1: Uh, so in the in the, in the the youth team at that point would have been Ando, so Ian Anderson, um, obviously Jerry O'Driscoll, Darren McGee, um, Harry McGlynn, the goalkeeper. No, there was nobody really sort of pushed on and, and really sustained the career. You know, yeah. if anyone I thought that might have, it would have been Ando because he was... You know, he came into the team very quickly and he was, a, he was an exceptional little player. But, yeah, nah, nobody really came through from that YTS uh, with myself, which was frustrating. Although you have, like, Lee Wilkie was playing a year, a year below me, a couple of years below me, and Lee Mayer, um, Jamie Langfield, Stephen Milne, Dave McKay. You know, these these boys and Derek Suter, So they, they all had quite a, quite a good sort of run at it uh, in a career. But... From my actual age group, there was—I don't think there was anyone else that sustained a career.
0: And uh, when you came down to Dundee, did uh, did your family come down with you, or was it okay Did you travel down to Dundee from Aberdeen, or were you put in digs with some of the other YTS boys?
1: Yeah, so we were put in digs uh, in Hilltown, Um it was actually it was actually a pretty nice flat to be honest. But it was um, uh, quite a new flat in the hill town. And then um, one of the ladies, Moira, who used to make the the lunches at Dens, her daughter Jackie used to look after us and like make food for us. And but then she would go away, and we would just be on our own. So you know, even getting used to that, sharing a flat. I think it was five boys. Um, so a couple of few boys from Glasgow, uh, myself, Graham Kajer, who came down from Aberdeen with me. Yeah, we were all in that sort of flat, and uh, it was even just getting used to that. You know, I'd moved away from home. It's it's kind of you know I look back on it. It's kind of so it's so strange now because for that first probably six seven months down there, I was like homesick for Aberdeen, and now I live in Australia, you know, and now will live in Sydney, on the other side of the world, and I was homesick from Aberdeen to Dundee. But that just shows you, you know, I just needed to sort of grow up as a as a person, and I'd never been out of never been away from home really. So it was it was the making of, you know. Um, me as a person as well, and but don't get me wrong, it was very difficult that first year to get used to that, and plus the f- um, the football wasn't going great for myself, so it was it was a tough tough season
0: that first one. I mean, maybe Sydney's just really similar to Aberdeen in ways that no one else recognises. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, obviously, the over the next couple of seasons, um, Dundee were really pushing to to try and get back to uh, where we belong, back up to the top tier. Mm. Um, but it, it wasn't always happening for us. And I wonder if you have any reflections on, obviously, you know, after uh, Jim Duffy left, uh, mm-hmm. he was replaced by Cowboy and then uh, by Jockey. Like, How did you feel? Were there any particular uh, styles or uh, personality differences between those three that you could really feel in that uh, first era?
1: Yeah, I mean, three huge characters, you know, massive, massive characters. Um, it was strange because Cowboy was my manager at youth team level and, and then you know, in reserves. And as I sort of said to you, that first year at UITS, I was struggling. But then towards the end, I sort of started to find my feet and I got a few goals towards the end of the season. And then Duff and Cowboy sort of took us in the office at the end of the season and, and says, listen, go away, work on this, this and this. I think it was head in, fitness and, you know, touch. And so over the summer, I worked really hard and then I came back in and the fact that they kept me on just gave me the confidence to to really try and make a make a name for myself. And I played they all... Youth team games, all reserve games, and then I ended up playing first team. Um, and then Duff left, and then so Cowboy, who'd been like one of my biggest fans because I played all all reserve games, and he was pushing me for first team. Then he became first team manager, and then I didn't really get didn't really get that much of a look in. But and it was kind of strange. It was, you know, he had he now had control, and he brought in some players him, himself, which was fine, but it was just strange to sort of how how it changed. Um, and then. Yeah, just very, very luckily for me, um, he left and, and Jockey came in because if he didn't, then I probably wouldn't even be talking about my career, to be honest, they'd probably been over at that point. Um, and that's just sometimes the luck you need. And, you know, I think we were top of the league when he when he, when he left, which, was, which is crazy to th- look back and think on. But um, very different characters. I really got on well with Duff and Jockey, like unbelievably well. I got on really well with Cowboy to start with, but then not so much when he became first team manager. And that, that's fine. You know, I've seen Cowboy loads since and, you know, spoken and there's no hard feelings, but it was, it was tough at the time. But just, yeah, just different characters for sure.
2: Did you, did you have any kind of showdown talks with Cowboy at all about this? It must, it must be very, you know, you're you're a young, a young player trying to make your way in the game. It must have been very disillusioning, Gavin, to sort of suddenly think you might have a chance of getting in the first team once Cowboy took over then sort of as, as you describe it being almost um um you know um you know forgotten about on the sidelines slightly
1: yeah no I mean that's, that's a good question and yes I mean I I'm not the I'm not like the, the player in the dressing room that causes hassle or you know becomes a disruptive person a personality at all but I still wanting to sort of find out you know um what was happening and don't get me wrong going in Approaching Cowboy in his manager's office when you're out on the outer, uh, you know, the outer of the team and -hmm. try to get an explanation was very daunting because he's a big guy, he's a big character, and he's, you know, he can be, you know, in your face. And don't get me wrong, I really wasn't looking forward to that. Um, But some of the the first team boys, because I was part of the first team squad, were saying, well, you need to, like, find out. So I went in and he wasn't too happy that I'd actually questioned him that first time, um, that day. But then the next day, we spoke about it again. He so said, listen, I appreciate you. just trying to find out what's going on. And, and then it, sort of, it was all right from then. But yeah. he just said he just said that the other players were... He preferred the other players at this point and they were doing better. And to be fair, they probably were because my confidence took a big dunt from not being in the team. And that's something you learn to deal with as your career goes on. You've just got to keep going. And at that time, it was probably the first time I'd been knocked down after being so high. So... Um, you know, maybe I didn't deal with it particularly well and um, it's a lesson for me as well, but yeah, no, I did I did ask, but yeah, he basically says other players were playing and playing better, which is fine.
0: One question I had was, obviously uh, Cowboy was replaced by Jockey Scott, and I think it was a pretty quick turnaround between uh, Cowboy leaving and Jockey coming in, but this was obviously in the days before uh, before WhatsApp, so how did the team find out about the change? Was it, uh, was it landline or was it did you just go into training one day and Uh, Jockey was there with his moustache Yeah,
1: Um, no it was landline I'm sure that days and I think we all got a call just to say that he'd been let go and um, he was having, I think he was having like a farewell dinner in Glasgow and obviously I was in Aberdeen so I I couldn't go but a lot of the boys went because they had a lot of time for Cowboy and a lot of respect for him which was fine and you know, I didn't manage to go down but um, the next day, or I can't remember how quick it did turn around but yeah Jockey was pretty much lined up and and ready to come in but for me at that point you know I was to be honest I was delighted because you know I was struggling and there were uh, Cowboy was trying to get rid of me to Breakin and it was very close to going through you know it's, it was all pretty much done and then so that would have been going semi-pro and, and getting a job so you know for me to get that chance again just to sustain football you know gave me a massive boost and Jockey came in and just says, "Listen, a clean slate." Um, and then from then, I just hit the ground running and got on so well with Jockey and, and uh, Jimmy Bourne and Loved, loved my time underneath them, and, and it was yeah, it was a great time in my career.
0: And one other player that I've I've spotted, um, I think you mentioned him in your interview for Benetti's Blues was Jim McAnally, uh, who mm-hmm. was he was brought in by Cowboy, and I think you said that in uh, I can't remember what season it was, but I think it might be in the nineteen eighty nine season. Um, the two of you were, were paired up quite a bit in midfield. Was he a big influence on you uh, when you were coming through as a youth?
1: Yeah, no, he was he was great. You know, I mean, I was very lucky because we had Jinky there uh, who was playing first team when I started and then obviously became part of the coaching staff. And Jinky was like one... He was very sort of kind of midfielder that I wanted to be, like a, a midfielder that arrived late in the box and got goals. Um Towards the start of my career, that was definitely how I liked to play. Towards the end of my career, it was nothing like that. But to start, to start, with, to start where I was, um, so I had Jinky there, Jim McAnally, obviously coming in. He was great influence, a very experienced pro. Uh, we had Chick Charlie. You know, I played in the middle with him loads of times as well, which was an education at times, just how good he, how good a player he was. With Martin Weakhorst, when I first came down, there were some great players to sort of look up to and, and learn from. Um, and you just try and you try and help, uh, try and take bits of them to help your own game. And yeah, no, we had some some huge players that I really enjoyed playing with.
0: Obviously, once Jockey came in, uh, things all just seemed to really click for Dundee, and uh, I think there were seven league wins on the bounce, which left us with uh, a fifteen point lead with five games left going uh, to Kirkcaldy. I think Raith Rovers were the the team closest to us at that point. Now, I don't think you played in that game, Gavin. Uh, were you Not. a little bit disappointed to be? Uh, to be left out or were you just uh, happy to be there for a bit of the experience yeah no
1: no definitely I mean that season for me I mean I didn't I don't think I played too many games that season but you know was part of it part of the squad and got a few games and you know didn't realise just how massive an achievement it was at that point but no not certainly not at that point I wasn't sort of looking back uh, frustrated it was more looking back just happy to be involved and, and get some game time and involved with the squad and, and being around it um and ready to kick on the next season but that season loved being part of it but it didn't feel like it was my championship i wasn't part of that championship winning squad to a point that i thought you know i look back on it as fondly certainly as was obviously the one in, in 2014
2: you're in the you're in the picture though, i think and right saying at starks park gavin aren't you i think you're on there yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're looking very Brit, Brit with your haircut.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, looking back. That was probably a mistake, to be honest.
0: <laughs> so the uh, the following season um, was obviously it was our uh, first season back uh, back in the big time for a while, and it ended terrifically. Dundee finished uh, fifth in the end, which I think is actually still our highest league placing for Alan. You might know better than me,
2: but about thirty, forty years. Uh think think since since Dundee won the league in sixty two, I think it might
0: be yeah. um and okay, it might be in a a ten team league as it was at the time, but mm-hmm. that's sort of something. Um I mean, did you feel like uh, I think that was the season that Willie Falconer came in, um yeah. Tommy Coyne came back as well, mm-hmm. um a, a hero for uh, for those of an older vintage. And obviously uh, Big Grab went from strength to strength as well. And I think I'm right in saying this was when he I think he got a Scotland B cap the season before, but he got his first Scotland cap this season. I mean, it must have uh, been terrific to be part of that team that was just, uh, although there was a, a little bit of a shaky spell in the middle, I think about Christmas, January time, mm. um, that must have been fantastic to really feel yourself beginning to be uh, blended into the team. Oh, it was,
1: that was amazing. You know, I was playing pretty much every week. Um, and... We were having so much fun, you know. It's it's like when a team comes up. There's not that much pressure on them because everyone thinks they're going to go straight back down. But you know, we were we were absolutely buzzing. We had a great team with a really good camaraderie, good squad of players, um, and we had some, you know, players that played out this game. Like you mentioned, Big Rab was unbelievable that season. He was sensational that season. He must, you know, he got so many points for us and kept us kept us really um, cracking on. Um, but yeah, no, it was great fun. It was really good dressing room to be part of and, and obviously it was things were going well so you, it's times you look back on and you really enjoy and, and jockey and jimmy created a, a great environment for us to go and enjoy that season which was which was great fun i
2: remember it took, it took a while to get going didn't it? well a few games to get going that season was i think uh, I, I recall an eddie annan's penalty later on against celtic just seemed to suddenly seems things seemed to click after that didn't it yeah yeah
1: yeah i mean it was uh, it did take a while i mean um Eddie got that point, and I think it just gave us a bit of belief that you know we've we'll just take a point from from Celtic, like, you know let's let's have a go, and it just kept, from there it went well, and you know I managed to get sustained running the team, and I think that season I'm pretty sure that's the season we beat Hearts four times, yes, um, which was massive, you know to beat Hearts four times in the league is unbelievable, and there's a little bit of a, a backstory to that, so we were in Magaluf celebrating our league win and, and they were there celebrating their cup win mm. and they were basically saying oh we'll easy points next year so we always remember this and to do the the clean sweep on them was was something that was in our minds from the well certainly didn't think we could get it but certainly something we wanted to do so taking that 12 points which is huge um that was a massive part of our season so you know it was, it was good good grounding for for the rest of the points
0: yeah, I think it was uh I just looked it up there and I think it was seven one on aggregate. Um so it was a, a right royal thumping for them. And obviously that first game against Hearts, Darius Adamchuk scored two. And he would be one of several players who would uh who would make the journey from Dens uh, over to Glasgow at some point in the in the following years. Um I mean, is there any other player from, from that particular season or uh, from the season after it? Uh the the final jockey Scott era that uh you feel should be mentioned? Um, well, you
1: know, Darius was, he was like Rab, you know, he was on the next level. He was keeping us going and scoring goals and just doing everything. And he, he got his move to, to Rangers, of course, after that. And um, we had obviously some really good pros with Eddie Annan scoring goals, James Grady, Stephen Boyack coming into the team. was He was a great player. He was a great pickup from from the manager and and got on, you know, with us a bit. You know, throughout it all there's always always Baz, isn't there? Baz is always there, so um you know he's also a big feature of the, feature of the team as well.
0: And I think this would be the first season that you'd have experienced the derbies as well. Uh, so what was that like as somebody, I mean, obviously by that point you'd have been uh, well versed and uh you know, Dundee fans enjoying getting one over United, but how did it feel as a player walking out and seeing, you know, ten to twelve thousand fans just going absolutely mad?
1: Yeah, no, it was great. I loved the derbies. The derby games were great. It was um, you know, such a good game for the city. And you know, you have it on a on a smaller scale um within the youth levels um, and even then it's it's there's a good rivalry there um, but yeah, playing obviously first first team in the in the top division, in a derby is is next level. And um, there were some great ding dong battles with the with the with United and um, you know, managed to come out on top in some of them, which was great. And enjoyed them, of course. Um, but yeah, no, in terms of an atmosphere and and, a, and a, like a, a spectacle for the city, you know, amazing, amazing things.
0: I don't want to, to skate over those first couple of years because obviously um, the the club did a great job in, you know, finishing, you know, upper to mid table, uh, having just come up. But obviously at the end of the uh, 99-2000 season, uh, Jockey made way for the Benetti's coming in. Uh yeah. Now that, uh, I mean, this this whole era, I mean, we we could dedicate hours of podcasts and to be honest, we probably will end up doing so uh, on the Bonetti era just because it was the most surreal, even as a, as it would have been at the time, even at 11 years old, it was the most surreal couple of years following Dundee. Uh, and I was just flicking through looking at some of the unsuccessful transfer targets we had, uh, like Peter Crouch, Carlton Cole, Paul Gascoigne um things just went a wee bit mad uh, towards the end um but sticking at the start um can you remember where you were when you uh, when you found out that uh, we'd be having benetti uh, coming in to manage the team
1: yeah i think there was there was lots of rumours you know going about that there was something going on um i'm sure he was at, he was maybe at a game at ibrox towards the end of the season i can't remember if he was at the game or he was watching the game on tv and we got told he was and you know, we'd sort of heard what was happening. Um, I was devastated because obviously Jockey was was going to go, and you know we'd had such a good time. Um, so I was glad he was leaving, but you sort of get used to that in football, and you sort of just have to get on with it. But yeah, no, it was uh, certainly interesting times um, when he came in, and it was tough, tough for me to start with, but I got on very well in the end with him. But it was it was really tough in the in the first first stages.
2: What were your first impressions of Bonetti of of both Bonettis then? Gavin, you know the first training sessions, etc. And I think I'm right in saying um, he didn't really call he didn't call you by your name for, for the start, or just by a number. And uh, yeah, must have been quite—you uh, know—you must have been feeling very unsure about yourself, possibly in those early weeks.
1: Yeah, no. To be honest, I was devastated because I think the season before, I think only missed one Premier League game um, yeah. and had a back in, back injury up at Aberdeen. Um, And there was only one player that played every single game in the in the division, and that was uh, Stephen Presley. So I was devastated that I wasn't able to match it and play every single Premier League game. I think so I missed one. So I was thinking, you know, I've came off a good season. We've done decent enough. You know, I'm still playing every week in the Premier League. And then they came in and they had obviously Ivano, uh, Dario, uh, the translator was always there, and the fitness guy Enzo, and then the like, strength and conditioning coach, Steph, it was just, like, it was crazy. Even the first day, like, we get to pre-season, we get in, we do our first session, which was kind of not too bad, and then lunchtime, they're, they're cracking the beers and they're smoking fags in the, in the like, <laughs> in the lunchroom, and you're like, what's going on? Like, it's just totally, totally different. It was just, like, a totally different culture. Um, the training was different. You know, they very little knowledge of the team, of the squad, like, you know, as a sort of as you alluded to, like I was known as like we didn't even know who I was. It was like basically just call me number twelve. That was my training kit. Um and I was thinking, hold on a minute, I've played every single game last year by one, and you've no idea who I am. And I was just thinking, oh here we go. So it was like back to the start, and then we went to we went to Italy for three weeks pre season, which was horrendous because it was just like top of a mountain, totally secluded, nothing, it was just boring as like it was just like, oh. And then we'd done like a practice match in this training ground after about two days, like a big 11 v 11. And I wasn't even on either team. So I'd went from playing every game the season before to not even being in, in the first team or the reserve team. And I was thinking, what's happening here? It was just so, so strange. Training, totally different, totally different cultures. Um, but, you know, I, I, listen, I look back now and very, it helps you get more rounded as a, as a player and the tactic side. I mean, even the training was even throughout the season was just totally different. A lot more focus on tactics and fitness, less ball work. But then come the weekend, you know, it was sensational. It was some of the best times I enjoyed playing in the weekend. So yeah, it was a very strange time, but yeah, interesting.
2: It's, it's funny how your careers can hinge on such small moments, but um, you talked about uh, obviously Cowboy getting sacked um, a few years mm. earlier. And then uh, I'm not thinking right saying is it Patricio Belio got red card yeah. in the game and gave you the opportunity to take his place. And again, that was uh, another moment where, you know, you didn't, you didn't look back afterwards.
1: Yeah, and that, that's exactly it. You know, I speak to, you know, even my own son or, you know, coaching my boys, my teams just now. And it's just like, you just got to be resilient and take that chance when it comes. And, you know, you do need a bit of luck. I certainly had luck to sustain a career for 20 years with these small things that happened. You know, Pat, who came, he was sort of in and out of the team and then came back in being Italian and Pat was a good player. Don't get me wrong, but you know that was, I felt that was my position, and and uh, so sort of he took it. But then he got sent off, and then so I got a chance. You know, I wasn't even on the bench the first game of the season. Like not even on the bench, not even included at all. I was in the stand yeah. for the first few games, and then Pat got sent off down yeah. at St Mirren. I came on, done okay, and then I think he got a couple of game banned because it was a pretty naughty one. So yeah. it was like okay, you get your chance, and then I just I just grabbed it from there. And, it was uh, from there was no looking back, but yeah, it was tough tough to get into that team and tough to sort of win them round. but it was kind of it, was, it kind of went full circle because after that, Ivano like loved me. so I went from like not even being on the bench to like one of his favorite it was such a strange turnaround, but yeah, I look back on it fondly of
0: course. And uh, you mentioned obviously uh, Billy getting sent off and one of my overriding memories was that our disciplinary record in the Benetti era was maybe not uh, exemplary. I mean, how much of that uh, was down to, uh, obviously there was a lot of players being brought in from Italy and Argentina and Spain and other countries. How much of that was just their different, uh, you know, different football cultures and different expectations of of what players could maybe uh, get away with. Uh, And how much of it do you think was maybe the other side of it, which is maybe Scottish referees, uh, Applying stricter, uh, stricter rules to uh, players that weren't from Scotland.
1: Um, I don't know. Maybe a maybe a bit of both. Um, You know, they never certainly never like told us to be like really aggressive. If anything, you'd think like a Scottish manager would be doing that, but they certainly weren't like saying be over aggressive. But yeah, the the disciplinary record was just like it it went crazy for a bit. Um, I think I'm from right. I got sent off that season. I think that's the only season... That's only sending off I got in my career.
0: It was quite a moment as well, because it was actually uh, Claudio Caniggia's debut sure. up at Petaldri.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I was just so glad we managed to win the game. Um, Phil Maguire uh, actually came through late. The ball was gone. I touched the ball away, and he absolutely nailed my ankle. And I, I just sort of flicked out at him. And as soon as I'd done it, I was like, oh, no. So I got sent off. And then, like you say, it was Caniggia's debut, and he scored. And then, luckily, we won. I think it was 2-0. Um but yeah, no, I, I, it was strange. It was there were so many um, send offs and, and yellow cards that year. I, but yeah, no, it certainly didn't come from from the management team.
2: Yeah, I remember Claudio Claudio himself got sent off after the final whistle of a game against Aberdeen, a cracking game two two, I think at Den, just prior to Christmas. Um, he got sent off after the final whistle for saying something to the referee, and uh, um, my family were up from London, a few my sister and brother in law and. Well, trooped through to Motherwell on Boxing Day for the game, thinking, "Great, we'll see Claudio Canigia play." And of mm-hmm. course, it hadn't been reported because it was during over the Christmas period, but he was oh, suspended. Yeah, <laughs> <So>. yeah wow. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, well, what, I mean, we, we can't, we can't, you know, we can't um, brush past Claudio Canigia's arrival, uh, Gavin. Just, just what, mm. what? Can you just explain again? You know, what did it feel like first training session with Claudio, and just, um, you know, what were your memories of him and what was did you realize just what a star he was um
1: yeah I mean it was so surreal I mean like you say we're linked with so many players we had some unbelievable players in our squad at the time but we were always linked with like these massive names and you know I don't think anyone sort of believed he would actually sign um you know obviously I knew of him playing you know obviously for Argentina and, and what he went through in Italy but yeah when he arrived he was like like when he actually walked onto the training ground, you're just thinking, I mean, is this actually, is this actually happening? He's got the Dundee training gear on and he's all signed. And I'm just like, this is incredible. And he's a very laid back guy, really lovely guy, very chilled out, always had his family with him, took his wee, wee boy and we wee out to training a lot, but yeah, just a very chilled out, like didn't train that hard. Like didn't overly exert himself in training. Um, But it was ripped to like really in good shape. And then just, yeah, a lovely guy. And then, but yeah, in terms of next level, like he was like five levels above where he should have been playing, like where he was playing, sorry. He was, he he was and still is the best player I've ever played with. I
0: I think one example of that is uh, the game that really sticks in my head for, be interested if you've got a different one, the, the best Dundee performance I've ever seen, which was the 5 0 thumping yeah. of St Mirren at home in November, I, I think, yeah you scored in that game as well, I mean that that was just I think what Dundee fans thought they were going to get and obviously the team the team had its inconsistencies but that was just another level of uh, Dundee performance and I think I, uh, well I'd be interested to know if you felt that was the best team performance that you ever saw and also just any memories you've got of Javier Artero because he was brought in by jockey I think rather than being from Benetti but I think because he's Spanish people maybe uh, lump him into the Benetti era more but he obviously had quite a, a sad end to his career as well and yeah. uh, do you think he would have been a massive player for us uh, going forward?
1: Yeah, I mean our, our Javier was wow, he was incredible, so much pace, you know, he used to put in great deliveries and had a good pedigree behind him lovely guy as well and obviously it's a shame sort of the way his sort of career sort of went on as well but yeah um, yeah, he does sort of get lumped in with the Benetti's rather than being a jockey signing, definitely. Um, the team suited him the way we played, so it, it was like ideal for him. You know, you talk about managers coming in, I mean, probably worked out perfect for him, like the Benetti's coming in giving him a, and then giving him that confidence to play with all these different excellent players. But that game, the 5-0 game, I remember it. Like, I remember it very vividly, Like, just like how enjoyable it was. Um. We were all on fire that day, and you know, it could have been more, but it was good to put on a show. But unfortunately, we just didn't do that enough. You know, we, they were such a good team, but we just didn't do that enough, um, and we probably should have done it more. And that's probably regret you look back on, but yeah, definitely that game was just like, yeah, it was sensational. I loved, I loved that game, love playing in it. Yeah,
0: I think the the goal that does stick in my mind the most, uh, is actually it's uh, Artero's goal as well, because it's just the way that the ball's laid off to him and it's just the little dink that he puts over the keeper um, sort of disguises it and goes the wrong way is just uh, phenomenal. Uh, you can probably tell I was watching it again this morning as I quite frequently do. Um, so that season, uh, I think we clinched top six up at Pataudry again. So um, your your boyhood team is featuring quite a bit this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think,
2: am I right in thinking that you had to wait on, was it Kilmarinick's result coming through? People still um, give me a slagging for for the sort of the scenes, the crazy scenes at the end. Um, you know, all the players were obviously celebrating getting to top six, and um, but it was a big thing then, wasn't it? I think that might be the first year of the of the split, uh, and it, it did feel like a big uh, an achievement, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, even now, you know, people talk about the, the top six split, and it's got its fans, it's got its uh, detractors, but it's still something, to, it's still something to play for, and it's it's yeah, it's. it's Different to all the other leagues and most of the world. But um, you know, it's, it's certainly that time when it, they just brought it out, it was it was massive for us. Mm-hmm. To get five more games against the top division teams, uh, top teams in the division was huge. So it was um yeah, no, nah, you always, you know, as a club would try to push on and, and be playing the best team. So for us it was a it was a huge achievement.
0: Going through what uh, what remains of uh, of your first spell at Dens, obviously the following season I think was one. I think that's maybe your best season for for goals, I think he maybe scored six that season. And mm. that was the season that uh, Tamuri Ketsbaya came in. Uh, we tried to crack China by signing Fanji as yeah. well, um, which I think was one of the. I mean, I'd be interested to know your recollections of Fanji actually, because mine are that I was expect maybe I was expecting too much, but he didn't seem all that good to me. <laughs> but I'm not a professional footballer, so maybe you've got a better or more accurate recollection of him.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think probably the same as yourself. I think he got built up really highly because he was obviously he would played so many games national team China. Um, he'd been at Palace as well possibly before coming to Denz, But yeah, no, nah, he was done. He was alright. He was he was
0: good, but he wasn't. He wasn't as yeah. you know as good as what probably everyone was making out. And a player that I should have, or a couple of players I should have mentioned before as well were uh, Fabian Caballero and Georginio Massey, yeah. and I think those are two players from that era that are held in really high regard by Dundee fans. I mean, for you, playing alongside them, sadly, must have been a real treat uh, just watching that soft shoe shuffle of his.
1: Yeah, it was, oh, listen, both sensational players. Georgie, like a, an excellent midfield player, obviously had loads of experience, loads of skill, like unbelievable skill and good run games when he was on it. He was, he was great. He was, you know, I think our partnership worked well. Mostly I'd done the runabout and he'd just done all the tricks. And it <laughs> <pretty well. laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, George, great guy. Lovely guy in the dressing room as well. Good personality. And yeah, he was obviously a very, very good player. Caballero, probably one of the best players I've ever played with in terms of linking up play between a midfielder and a striker. And he always needed a great touch, strong as an ox, could score, good skill. He had, he had everything. Probably the only thing he didn't have was the fitness, you know, that the athleticism side of it. Um, it's probably the one thing that lacked and didn't help him getting that knee injury as well. But yeah. in terms of, I always say to players, you know, now like his weight of pass, like I'd play a ball into him and I'd run off him and then he would play it back into my path at the perfect pace. And it was just he'd done it every single time. Like it wasn't like a fluke. Every single time he'd done it, it was the ideal pass in my path for me to have a shot or play the next pass. He was very good at that, and that that comes from being a top player. And yeah, I love playing with, with players
2: like that. Yeah, no, no, another moment. What could it been, isn't it, with Fabian? You know that. You know, you, well, again, I suppose Canadian might not have come in had Caballero not been injured. But that was a shocking um, challenge. Uh, he suffered against United, wasn't it that midweek derby which put him out yeah. for, for, for many, many months and uh, you know, it was a real, real blow to the two to a team that were playing well at the time.
1: Nah, no, definitely. And he was he was a he was obviously a very, very good player. And um, you know, I've never seen a player bully so many centre halves, mm. not being the biggest striker, a big boy, but not like a huge tall striker, but just so strong man. Like nobody could get the ball off him. He was so strong. And i seen him, like, even against Amoruso at Ibrox one day. I just remember him, not bullying him, but just Amoruso couldn't get around him and couldn't get the ball off him because he was so strong. Um, and it was, a, it was a real pity to see him get that in the injury because, you know, if sometimes if you're not the most athletic person ever yeah. anyway, uh, that can, can obviously detract from your, your overall skill.
0: If we go forward from the Benetti era into uh, the return of the Duff, so Jim Duffy coming back uh, for the 2002-2003 season... I'd be interested to know what your view is and Alan's as well. Is that I think that Duffy managed to get that perfect blend between uh, the Scottish players because obviously, you know, as well as yourself, uh, Mm. you know, Barry Smith was there, Lee Wilkie was coming through as well. Um, Mm. Obviously, the likes of uh, Steve Lovell um, came into the uh, team. I think that was the following season. Stephen Milne was still coming through as well. But I feel like uh, Duffy managed to sort of blend things a little bit. Better, Maybe just get a wee bit more consistency uh, than the Benetti's were ever able to get. Was was that due to any sort of uh, change in the uh, training regime when Stuffy came in? Or was it more just that maybe things were a little bit more settled and uh, you didn't have as many uh, bizarre signings coming in uh, every second week?
1: Yeah, no, I think he'd done well in terms of just steadying the ship. He was like a... You know, a steady hand to come in and, and try and just stop us rocking and rocking and rolling from one side to the other. And I think he done that well. Um and we still had a really good team. We still had a really good squad. So, you know, there was a lot of players that the Benetics had signed, plus, like you say, this the Scottish core and the boys coming through. And I agree he probably he married them to pretty well and um you know, we we had some great performances under Duff as well and obviously I I've obviously got a lot of time for Duff because he, he signed me and I've never, you know, I've, I'm still in touch with him now, you know, I've, I've always had the highest regard for him. Duff's very good in terms of, he just tells it straight, like he'll tell you one, if you've been rubbish, he'll tell you, but if you've been really good, he'll tell you as well. So he's very straight down the line um, and it was it was just different, again, different training for sure because it was it was back to sort of what we were used to as a, as a Scottish group and, um, so yeah, it was, I th- and I think to be honest, I think a lot of the the foreign lads that were at the club enjoyed that as well. They just something different. There was a freshness about it, so it, it just seemed to work well when he came back. Yeah,
0: and I think two thousand two, two thousand three is actually uh, obviously a season that six and Dundee's fans uh, memories maybe quite bittersweet because it was the the season of our great Scottish Cup run uh, mm. where we just couldn't quite get over the line. Um, and just having a look at, at the team lineup, you know, you've got the likes of Julian Sperone, uh wasn't you know ever present at the back. Uh, Zura Philly I think he was out for quite a bit of that season with injury, um, but he was a tremendous player for us that went for far less than he should have uh, to Rangers as well. Um, so, uh, what what are the abiding memories you've got before the cup final of the cup run? Um, were there points during the cup run where you thought? you know, we might actually make it all the way here.
1: Yeah, so it was it was uh, it was kind of funny, a funny story. So we went to, you know, they had the winter break um, mm-hmm. at that point and we went to Trinidad and Tobago on the winter break. And I think it was because, remember, we had Brent Sancho who was yeah. playing for us. I think it was some, there was some connection. He'd obviously organised something. But it was funny. So we got, like, I think a lot of it had been paid for, like the flights and the accommodation, but food hadn't been paid for. So we went there and, like, expecting to get all the meals paid for and they weren't. But this, the tournament we were playing in was sponsored by, I think it was sponsored by KFC or like a, a fast food shop. Every night we were eating in KFC. We we're, were in the winter, winter break and everyone was <laughs> eating in KFC. It was just like, this is kind of defeating the purpose. You know, we're there to try and get fit, play <laughs> games, um, and then we're eating fast food every night. But yeah, great memories. Um, we actually stopped in on the way back. We stopped in, uh, Bar- I think it was Barbados. We had a day in Barbados to stop on to stop on the layover before we flew back to the uk so we've got like we had 11 11 hours to kill and the duffs like that oh, just you can go to the beach or whatever boys are on the jet skis it's, it was just crazy You're just like we're actually like going to be training boys are on the beach in barbados on the jet skis it was just it was amazing times Um and then we came back and then we had, i think we had a cup game pretty quick because it's always quite quick in january isn't it we played park thistle i'm sure Yeah. I think i managed to score um i don't know who else scored Savo, maybe i can't remember it was
0: uh georgian as well Oh
1: okay cool so um yeah so we got we got off the got a good result and then because of the weight park, it's all good result and then you know we just managed to just keep going and keep going and the draw was decent for us um i think we with was it falkirk in the quarterfinals, yeah. and it went to a replay is that right
2: yeah, yeah, we play, uh, Yeah, uh, I was brought. Brockville first game, natural Novo late equaliser, then brought them back to dens. Yeah, four one in extra time, I think. That's
1: right. I won one, and then we batten them in extra time. So, yeah, we're, we're going away well, and then we had the semi. The semi final was Cali, so it was a good good draw for both of us. They must have been thinking they had a great chance. We were thinking, well, we've got a great chance. It was a terrible game from memory, um, but we managed to just get to get over the line. And Georgie, Georgie got us a goal, and they battered us the first half. I can remember because one of my really good mates is Dennis Whyenis, that plays for Cali, um, and he, he he was devastated at the end of the game because they played so well, but they never got in. And so, yeah, it was you know look back on that cup run, it was it was great times. But in terms of the final, great memories in terms of. As a kid growing up in Scotland, being able to, and starting at Dundee YTS to be able to play in a Scottish Cup final for Dundee first team, with the whole, you know, all our support there, all my family there on a baking hot day, like the games I used to watch when I was growing up, that part of it amazing and something I'll never forget, and I'm really thankful to have done. Um, game fr- really frustrating because we could have easily won it, um, but I hit the post. We had another couple of half chances, we actually played pretty well. I think I think overall we were probably the better team on the day, um, but just never managed to get over and get any goals. And then obviously they, they scored the goal from the from the corner, which devastated us. But yeah, looking back, devastated to not get the to get the win, but delighted to have been part of it.
2: There's some, some Dundee fans still argue to this day. Uh, Gavin, about the, the 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 team, the the makeup of the team that day. I, th- I think um, Mark Birch obviously started. I think Nacho Novo on the bench. How do you reflect on that? Um, I, I remember at the time thinking I was quite happy with that. I think Birchall had been playing well and uh, he had scored against Celtic yeah. a few weeks prior. But um, you know, some fans now, even now, think we should have Nacho on from the start. And how how do you reflect?
1: Um, I think at the time I'd have probably agreed with yourself in terms of Birchall was doing well. He was playing well. He's he always had that pace and he was capable of getting a goal I think Nacho that first season when he came he was sort of in and out of the team yeah. um, it wasn't until the season after then he really started kicking on and he obviously went on and done brilliant um, but that season he was in and out and I was I was okay with the team it was um, the day before we done a, we were doing set pieces and Speroni bro- got his nose broken from my mate Lee Mayer. Wow. just a collision. collision um, I don't know if many people knew that but at the time but he broke his nose in training. We were just thinking, no, nah, no. Nah. You know, the day before the, the cup final. And um, but yeah, in terms of the team, I was I was pretty comfortable with the team at the time. Yeah, I thinking back,
2: who who who, who, who 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 was in line to come in then? Was that would that have been? Had it been Big
1: Jamie? Yeah, Jamie
2: was Yeah. What what I didn't appreciate at the time was I think Rangers had a
0: really packed schedule at the end of the season. Uh, so I think was that the season they got to, we well, didn't get to a European Cup final that season, but they had a lot of games anyway um, yeah. And, yeah, and I think that uh, if I'd known that at the time it would have broken my heart all the more because uh, whenever you look back at reports of it uh, I think Alex McLeish said if it had gone to extra time uh, Rangers would have probably collapsed because they had to play that many games and I think it was you know big old firm games and the like as well
1: Yeah, it's um, you know, you're listening to lots of podcasts now it, it makes me even more angry because it was the season they went for the treble. They were going for the treble and they won the league the week before and then they were out for pretty much that whole week until the Wednesday out on the drink um, where we were preparing for the biggest game of my life and they still managed to get a, get a win. That's what's probably the most frustrating thing. Um, it's because they, obviously the league, they won the beat, Celtic like on goal difference or whatever, um, the week before. So they were absolutely buzzing with the league and then they went for a few drinks and carried on, and then we're obviously preparing for a huge game. So when I hear that stories, it's really frustrating looking back. Um, and on the day, as I say, I thought we were a better team on the day, but yeah, we just couldn't get over
0: that line, and that was frustrating. Um And just uh, going back to what you said about KFC, the record that Dundee had after your uh, KFC in the Caribbean is sensational. Uh, it's maybe something that we should suggest for next season, because... Uh, <laughs> You won, uh, beat Thistle in the Cup and then beat Dunfermline away, drew in the Derby, uh, beat Aberdeen in the Cup, Hibs. I mean, the only games that Dundee lost that season after KFC were after the split in the Scottish Cup final. So, Wow.
1: No, there you go. That's, uh, you that's go. the answer. <laughs>
0: should uh, bring that in for
1: Hakoa. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But it was more, more about just getting... Uh, it, was, it was a great chip in terms of all the boys being together and we had a yeah. good squad. So it was... Um, yeah, all that stuff definitely definitely helps. I'm not sure if the KFC helps, but just the whole experience together definitely helps
0: and builds, builds groups. Big team bonding. Um, yeah. So the following season is obviously one that's... Uh, I'm, I'm aware we're uh, we're running quite short of time. We've still got another two spells to go. So I'll, I'll quickly um, skim over the uh, the what actually happened that season because that was when uh, the season that we... Uh, finally, things caught up with us a little bit and went into administration. Uh, and I think I'm right in saying, Gavin, you were on record saying... You'd happily go anywhere uh, if it meant that the the club got as much money as it possibly could. Um, so, can you remember any other options you had other than Rangers, or were they the, the sort of the prime the prime movers at the time?
1: Yeah, they were the prime movers for sure. Uh, there'd been a lot of talk. Yeah, going into administration was, was terrible. Uh, I, I can remember we got pumped 6-1 for Scotland against Holland in a Euro playoff final, a uh, Euro playoff, and then came off the pitch and got told that Dundee were in administration as well. I was just like, yeah, wow, this is one of the worst days ever. And then, yeah, it was sad to see it all catch up on us. It was, it, was, it was devastating uh, with the club. But, yeah, I was keen to, you know, if I could help at all and obviously kept on because it was an asset at that point. Um, it was the right time for me to move as well. You know, in my career, I was—I would have been about 25, maybe 26, maybe 24, some like that. So it was ready. It was ideal time for me to move. So it worked out both ways, sort of thing. So I was glad the club managed to get someone and um, and survive basically. But it was tough times for sure.
2: It was a real um, contrast in emotions that night in Amsterdam, wasn't it, Gavin? I still I still remember it. I was there uh, reporting for Scotsman, and um, uh, I just remember being given the team sheet. In the amsterdam arena and and um, so proud uh, two dundee players in the starting 11 for scotland uh, you, you and lee wilkie yeah. and but then uh, obviously uh, a very a trying evening wasn't it um but they really turned the style on and then of course just that in that that same evening uh, rumors were filtering through that dundee were preparing to go into administration i'm pretty sure um, I, I think I've got a memory of you being in this sort of mix zone afterwards, and I was there, and I think you were being told by various reporters that this was happening, and you know, to go from starting a, a huge game for Scotland like that to a couple of hours later being told that you're obviously you're a uh, you're 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 you're, 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 you're Prospects at the club are in danger of of, of, being, uh, of the club being plunged into administration. So it must be quite difficult that evening, twenty third or twenty second November, I think it was, wasn't it? Okay.
1: And it was it was tough. I think um, I think we got them angry. I think we got the Dutch team angry on the Saturday and we beat them at Hamden, and then they they just like nah, this like, we're going to go for them, and yeah, they got a couple of early goals. I think it was like three nil after about fifteen twenty minutes, and, then, and obviously it was it was gone by then. It was a tough tough evening. And then yeah, coming off, and I can remember getting told by reporters basically that the club was going to be in administration in the morning. So yeah, it was it was a horrible evening, um, and then a horrible flight back. But yeah, it was uh some, something you look back on not so fondly for sure.
0: I mean, we'll uh, we'll skate over. We'll, we'll let the Rangers and Cardiff fan podcasts uh, take care <laughs> of those years because obviously there was uh, there was a lot you achieved in your spells other than with Dundee. But just sticking with your uh, time in the national side, I mean, what other uh, memories you have, I think I'm right in saying you, you got 14 caps over the course of your career for Scotland. Yeah. Um, most notably, um, at least in terms of silverware, uh, winning the Curran Cup in 2006, yeah. uh, and I think that's people forget that Dun uh, Dundee that Scotland have technically uh, won a, an international trophy. Uh, what were your memories of the Curran tournament? Because it's one that I think passed a lot of uh, fans by a little bit at the time, but uh, silverware is silverware.
1: Yeah, no, nah, it was it was amazing for me because what how it came about, I'd been out for like two years at Rangers with injuries. I had a really bad time obviously at Rangers when I went with injuries and then I just came back into the team for about the last five, six games at, at Rangers um, and then was playing really well and then managed to get a call-up. So for me, I'd been out for two years and then to get back in the Scotland fold, um, we were actually going to Australia. So my, my wife and I were ready to go. We were going to Australia on holiday and visit our in-laws and then I got a call, so my wife basically just kicked on to Australia. herself, and I went to Japan, and then straight from Japan, I went to Australia. So I was there basically playing football six, whatever it's four or five days. It wasn't long, two games, and then I kicked on to to Australia. And we, you managed to get the get the results that got us a win, and even just to be in the Scotland ship, celebrating with a trophy in front of us was, you know, it's, I know it's people probably don't really count it that much, but uh, we absolutely loved it. It was, it was amazing for us. We had a great, I had a great time and certainly went back on it and enjoyed that for sure.
0: It absolutely counts. Every trophy counts. <laughs> um, so, uh, obviously you, you spent a, a good chunk of time uh, down in Cardiff and, uh, appeared in the FA Cup final as well, um, before, uh, making your way back up North. Uh, and we've got, uh, Two spells, which I'll—if you don't mind—I'll lump them together a wee bit. I know that you had a year in the middle uh, playing for Aberdeen, uh, but yeah. you came back in uh, the tw- for the twenty eleven twelve season um, when uh, obviously it was on the back of the Defiance season. Um, yeah. Your your friend Barry Smith was manager, so I, I probably don't need to ask how that move uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> came about to come back. Um, but did you have any other offers at that time other than Dundee for the the first spell?
1: um so what had happened there I'd I'd been at Cardiff for four years um I was out of contract Dave Jones left and he was so he left and I was out of contract so Malky McKay came in I didn't go for a contract at that point so I was what it was we were actually looking to sort of stay close to Cardiff if possible because we'd had young twins in Cardiff had our kids down there so they were starting preschool and stuff so we weren't sure what we we're going to do but then it got I was training with Cardiff just to keep fit like they were kind enough to let me train and you know, I was training well, and then there was a couple of interests around about London, but it was down past London, down the south, and then it just thought, got to like October time, nothing really came out, and then that's when Baz is like, just come up, just come up and play and get back playing and that, and I was like, you know what, why not? Um, play between now and December, he says, and, and then see how it goes, and it was, to be honest, it was the best decision I mean, I absolutely loved it, I loved playing with Baz's team, and we were... Second bottom when I joined weren't we doing particularly well, but when I joined, just everyone just seemed to click and we pushed right up the table and I think I scored four and twelve and just loved it. It was great. I had a really enjoyable second spell at Dundee and and obviously really enjoyed working with Baz.
0: And Obviously, it was quite vital, that late push as well because uh, little did we know that uh, the uh, unfortunate situation at Rangers would actually lead to a second place resulting in promotion. Uh, i I think um you didn't uh you didn't get a winner's medal in 97 98 uh because you hadn't played enough games that season right. um and then obviously 2011 12 uh, the the promotion came uh after you left so mm. um when you came back in 13 14 you must have been determined to uh to get that medal pinned up on your wall
1: Yeah definitely I mean it wasn't you know it wasn't easy you know I went through my whole career without Without any medals, really. Like being part of things, like I was at Rangers when they won leagues. The first spell at Dundee, I hadn't won an in. Yeah, I played in the Youth Cup final for Dundee as well. Played the Scottish Cup final for Dundee. Played the FA Cup final and hadn't won an in. Um, but you're always you always hoping to win in something, but we knew it, was, it wasn't going to be easy. And, um, you know, to have one more crack at it, you know, John, John Brown, when he contacted me, he was very persuasive. And I think the biggest thing was being club captain because you know i'd been in being captain for most of the club but not like full time captains but always been in the captaincy part and leadership but to be club captain for the club that i first started at, um that was that was a big part of me going plus i got to be a reserve team manager as well so there's a couple of things here that just sort of worked out ideally um and tempted me to to take that extra year you know because we were contemplating emigrating at that point but then um John Brown and my connection with the club and, and Scott Gardner, was the chairman at the time, you know that it just all they were all very persuasive and I'm so glad I done it because it was, yeah, it was it was, it was great memory.
0: And you mentioned in '97 '98 there was that sliding doors moment when uh, when Cowboy left, but and you also mentioned it was a, a little bit unusual because it happened when you're top of the league. Now that happened to uh, John Brown this season as well, and I remember the game well. It was a uh, the last game that he managed for us was a home game against Aloa. and I remember there was just a late equaliser uh, mm-hmm. came in, and I think that was the point where you heard the, you know, all the chairs uh, all the cheers sort of snapping up as fans got up and yeah. uh, weren't too happy about what that could mean because Aches and Falkirk as well were both pushing us quite strong. Yeah, do you have any recollections of the dressing room after that game? Um.
1: Oh, obviously, devastation. You know, as soon as you... I mean, we had a good squad. We were really wanting to push up and we were throwing away points here, there and everywhere. It was it was really silly. Um, I think the week before, or certainly close to that, I was... We played Falkirk away and we went to a new formation. I wasn't even... I was on the bench and we got... We didn't play particularly well. And then I came on and we'd done better. And then, obviously, with the Aloe game the week after... So it was I think there was a lot of a little bit of unrest with the results and change of formations and that sort of stuff. So, but still, you know, we're top of the league and very harsh for for John to to lose his role. But football, unfortunately, you can see, all over.
0: And he was replaced by Paul Hartley. And I know that you uh, you'd worked under uh, Barry Smith before, so you were used to working with uh, mm. with your peers uh, in that sort of you know. That change in relationship from being a fellow player to being the manager as well. Um, mm. But how different was it when uh, Paul Hartley came in? Cause I, had you played with him at Aberdeen?
1: No, no, or I played with him. He, yeah, I played with him in Scotland, so he was involved Scotland, in Scotland yeah. squads yeah. so I knew him from then. Um, it's a little bit different to when Baz, because Baz is a mate. You know, I yeah. played hundreds of games with Baz, and you know he's a mate over years. But Paul, um, I played, been around played against obviously been around him with Scotland and would he have been younger than me or a year older or the same age certainly very close anyway Um, so a little bit different but he was brand new with me he was great when he came in and I got on really well with him you know continued obviously being captain and I had a really good relationship with him as a captain and manager same as I did with John Brown you know that being the go between the, the dressing room and uh, the coaching staff Um, and he, he treated me great you know when, when he came in, he put in a pretty stri- a really strict regime with his fitness coach. And it was like doing pre-season again, like in the middle of the season. And it turned out to be the best thing they've ever done. And it was really tough. So, Tam came in and done all the training. But he was saying to me, like, because I was a bit older, obviously I was 36, I knew my body. He says, you do what you need to. So, I could, like, join in the running and maybe do one or two and then drop out and then go back in, whereas all the boys are getting flogged all the time. But... You know he trusted me because I knew what to do. So he, he treated me with massive respect, and you know I, I got on well with him. Yeah.
2: That was that. Things like was that what, what were the sort of uh, training techniques like, Gavin? These sort of ropes and things like that. And uh, yeah, I still remember that, that side of the pitch, wasn't it? Before you came on, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the start of the game, you, you you sort of do these little. Uh, pony steps.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, had his, he certainly had his own sort of methods, and he'd done it, obviously, when they were at Alla together, and, and had, had success, so just carrying that on, and a um, little bit different to what we were used to, and we'd never done it, but, you know, we were getting results, that was the main thing, get results in the weekend, we were doing it, um, but the, the actual, like, the training regime that they put us through, it was really tough for being, for certainly being in the middle of a season, um, I think the boys were a bit taken aback with how tough it was, but yeah, it was, it was
0: obviously the right thing to do because it ended up with good results. And um, I mean, looking through the squad, there's quite a few cult heroes, uh, in that mm. squad. Uh, you've got Matt Lockwood, uh, yeah. who, had a, uh, who I don't think I ever saw him hit the ball with his right foot. Um, and okay. He's a left back, so that's fine, but it was phenomenal to watch. Uh, you've got Gary Irvin in there as well. Uh, you've got Jim McAllister who just ran about the middle. Um, and obviously, big Christian Naddy as well. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what are your uh, what are your recollections of the dressing room at the time?
1: We had a great dressing room, to be honest. It's one of the, the most fun dressing rooms I've had. You know, real big characters. You've got, you know, Kyle Leather in and Goal. You had Kyle Benedictus. You know, Davo Ian Davidson. You've got Craig Beatty, Pizzo, uh, Barra. You know, you've got all these massive characters. Um, Martin Boyle you know huge characters and that's what that's what's got that's what got us through in the end um, you know keeping everyone together and yeah it was it was great great dressing room with really good spirit but good players and good experienced players that even though sometimes we weren't playing particularly well we still managed to grind out results and some of the football that season wasn't pretty but we managed to get the results and that's at the end of the day that's what we managed to get as a promotion yeah.
0: And I remember uh, I lived in Edinburgh at the time, and a lot of my uh, friends supported Hearts. And a lot of them were going on about, oh, you know, Christian Nadi, uh, he's out of shape, but he is not an out of shape man. He is something else. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously, he scored a couple of really crucial goals for us uh, in the in the running as well.
1: Yeah, no, he was, he was, it turned out to be a great sign. And he was, yeah, he, he's not like out of shape, but I agree. He's just a big, solid unit. Um, but could play and could score and good sign at the time. But yeah, you know the player in Pizzo, who always score, always has, always will um, was a massive player for us that season. Um, Beats coming in and getting his fair share. You know everyone sort of chipped in and um, it was you know it was it was ah, listen, it was the best decision I ever made just staying for that extra year.
0: And your last game for us was obviously it was it was the biggest game at Dens in many years, which was. Uh, against Dumbarton on the final day. And uh, I'm sure Dundee fans listening to this don't need to be reminded, but we needed, or we thought all we needed was a draw because there's surely no way that Hamilton would win by eight goals and wipe out the goal difference. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, um, I mean, were you, when you were on the pitch, were you aware at all of what the score was at Aki's? Or, you know, because um, you must have been getting some vibes coming off the fans because at that point it was 2-1 and the fans realised that a late equaliser for Dumbarton would have seen us finish second. Um, Did you get any sense of that, or did you just think it was the fans going quiet because we were getting closer and closer to the title?
1: Definitely that. I had no idea about the score in the other game, and, you know, was that focused on our own game? Yeah, I thought the fans were maybe just getting a bit apprehensive because, obviously, we were getting closer and closer towards the final whistle. Um, It wasn't until I got back into the dressing room after the game, and Champagne's flying about and I think the sequel was first in the manager was first in cause he sprinted off and then I wasn't far behind him. And then he got into the dressing room. and He says, do you hear the other score? And I says, Matt, he says, it was like 10. I was like, what? No way. I was like, come on. But he was like, so the boys on the bench and the manager and that, they obviously knew this score. So they would have been even more nervous than what I was on the pitch. Cause I was just thinking, let's just get this game done. So yeah, it was the bizarre, bizarre result and the bizarre uh, way to for, sort of finish it. And Kyle obviously has to save it or saves, our, saves the whole season, saves the promotion season, which was amazing. But, you know, I'd have been absolutely devastated if that had happened because obviously that was my chance to get a medal. And, and just thankfully I did. I
0: mean, uh, one of my friends claims that the guy who was in the helicopter above Den saw Kyle Leather and save uh, from the sky uh, he said it was it was just that uh, unbelievable because uh, I remember sitting in the dairy that day and I thought it was in and I could not believe it uh, when I saw it went out for a corner it was mm. an unreal save um, yeah, but what special. what did you do at full time because obviously um, I mean I at least I was in the front row of the dairy so I just picked up my nephew chucked him over the wall and told him to run on the pitch and I did the same thing um, yeah. <laughs> did, were you able to actually get uh, Get off the pitch or do you have to fight your way past some delirious Dundee fans?
1: Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too late coming off the pitch. I was quite sharp off the pitch because my family were sitting just beside the bit where you walk out. Um, so I was keen to get to them and then get back in. Um, obviously, no we'd done it, I wanted to get in the dressing room with my team, celebrate, but then allow, which would allow us to get out quicker again. I was just desperate to get my hands in the trophy, to be honest. So I was just desperate to get in. Have a little celebration in there, and then get back out and get that trophy because it was, it was a uh, it was
0: a great way to finish the finish the season and obviously take the team back up. So obviously the the trophy that you actually uh, picked up and held aloft at, at the end was the same trophy that uh, Bobby Cox mm. lifted for us uh, fifty two years uh, previously, and you know sadly uh, he wasn't. Uh, I don't think he was with us uh, by that time, but um, yep. you know did you? You know did you feel any the, the sort of weight of history if you will uh, as you picked it up because it's not many Dundee captains that have had the chance to pick up silverware
1: yeah i mean it's it, it, on the day you don't really you don't realize how monumental an occasion it is and you know how special a moment it is i mean i did obviously realize how special it was and it was really special to me because like i say it was in my third spell with the club and getting to take them back up to the top division where they belong was was huge and it was a great as being club captain as well. It was massive for me, but like looking back now, you, you see the memories and you see the picture of Bobby. Um, I think somebody mentioned on Twitter this week, you know, something about Bobby and Bobby was very very good to me as a young kid and he was always in the team bus uh, with the Duff. Um, he would come to all the games and he was always about Dens. Lovely guy, cool cool guy, and obviously a fantastic player, um, fantastic captain for the club as well. So. To be able to mirror sort of what he done with the trophy um, was massive, and, and I remember Dave, David Young, who's obviously the photographer for the club, for the club he says you've got to, like when you I've got to get a picture of you holding it, like cradling it, like what Bobby did. Yeah. Um, to be able to see the two images together is is very special for sure.
2: Um,
0: and at least you uh, there's another famous uh, picture of Bobby being hoisted aloft by the crowd. Uh, at Muraton, but uh, I think you were thankfully spared being uh forced to crowd surf the, du- the Dundee fans. That day. yeah, been, I think a fair the- bit of drink had been taken before the game, so you might have been dropped.
1: Yeah, no, nah, I'm a bit double the size of Bobby anyway, so um, <laughs>
0: they've been a bit tougher, but no, nah, yeah, it was great, it was great fun. And obviously, um, we we touched on it a little bit at the start, but um, after that game, um, I think you did have an option in your contract where yeah. I think you would have uh. Been entitled to another year, but you'd and said, I think I'm right in saying that your wife's Australian, so yep. uh, you'd always promised at some point to to go somewhere sunny, <laughs> um, yep. and uh, that's what you've done in Australia. So, uh, where do you see things going over the the next few years for you in Australia? Um, you know, do you um, you know, I'm I'm not totally okay with the Australian leagues, but is there the possibility for Hakoa to to build and go through the leagues, or is it a bit more like the American leagues where things are are quite set?
1: Yeah, it's, it's more, it's definitely more set. Um, you know, the, just going back to the option um, of the other year, you know, I did have another option in my contract. But to be honest, there was no way I was going to top that. It was such a special day and special way to bow out. I was very lucky to be able to choose the day I retired and not get retired by injury or by poor form or just, growing far too old for it so you know i think i managed to play every game that season as well so it was just the ideal opportunity to to bow out and um and to emigrate with a young family so it was it was something i've really looked back on and and feel lucky that i managed to do take the choice myself um in terms of australia we've been here nearly all six years this year we'll have been here so we moved in the september 2014 so not long after uh winning the title um and, yeah, it's not much opportunities here for football. There's only 11 full-time coaching roles, um, first-team like man, first team manager roles. There's obviously assistant coaching roles as well, but there's not many. And it's scattered out across the country. Um, I mean, if you wanted to go to Perth, obviously, it's a long way away. It's, um, so, you know, we're based in Sydney. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. they um, are talking about reconstruction leagues here as well and trying to make a second league to give more opportunities for the kids. Which I think would be good, but they're trying to work out does it work financially. Obviously, lots of questions around that. So we'll see. But you know, I love the management side. Uh, I love dealing with players. It's been good experience being semi-pro and and getting to work with budgets and players and formations and all that sort of stuff. And and we've been, I've had some limited success. We won a won a trophy. We got to pretty far in the FFA Cup, which is FFA, FFA Cup equivalent. Um, so, yeah, we've had limited some decent success and it would be great to do it full-time, but it's going to be hard hard to do it here. Um, but you never say never. We'll see what happens and, and whether it's back in the UK one day full-time, who knows, let's see.
0: Well, that's been fantastic. I've, I've already taken up uh, a lot more of your time uh, than I initially promised, but it's been great to go over that and to, well, first of all, remember a time when football was uh, still on the go, but also to remember some of the, the great times that, uh, that I had following Dundee Sikhez, and, uh, you were one of the, the massive parts of that along with everyone else so it's, uh, it's been a privilege speaking to you Gavin
1: no thanks very much it's been a privilege uh, speaking to yourself about some great times at Dens and some tough times as well but you know overall lasting memories of a club that's been very good to me and you know look back on them and thank them for all they did for me as well